Welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast. Join us as we engage in conversations about what it means to be the church in this age. We believe God is calling the church into a different mode of being, living beyond the status quo. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Ecclesia Podcast. My name is Joel Lee. I'm the worship pastor here at KGF Church. Joining me today is Phil Wagler, our lead pastor. Hello, Joel. And a special guest today, we have John Johnston joining us from Multiply. Hey, John. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the table, brother. Yeah, good to be here. So, John, why don't we start by just uh, asking you, what is your role with Multiply? And give us a little bit of context for that. Yeah, when uh, I kind of first started, I guess, came in through C2C with Multiply when they were together. And um, the, the, just that whole moment there where C2C joined together with Multiply and, and then uh, C2C split from Multiply and it was a lot of uh, things going on. And so my my role... I don't know if I clearly understood it or if it was clearly kind of stated because there was just so much other stuff going on uh, with the, the merger and the demerger at that point. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it quite often seemed like uh, First Nation ministry kind of stuff was on the side burner. Mm. And often it didn't even quite make the side burner. It was on the back burner. Mm. And uh, so uh, things have greatly changed quite a bit now though in the last little while here where uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in the First Nation part. So when I first came on uh, what really uh, I believe we were trying to do as the First Nation uh, workers, uh, missionaries I guess, was to try and bring the gospel uh, to the communities uh, in a good way. And uh, I often have said and still say that the gospel never really was brought in a good way. It has been brought kind of through the doctrine of discovery. It's been brought through assimilation. It's been brought through colonization. It's been brought through residential school. It's been brought through the 60 scoop, and it's been brought to the communities to this day uh, kind of in a foster care kind of way. So the good news really never has been good news to an indigenous person if you um, – go to the communities and ask many of them how they feel about the good news. That's really... Uh, so, that's... so that was kind of the, the, the starting way, but lately now it's kind of really turned more towards uh, helping the churches uh, begin to understand and, and, and uh, uh, like kind of relearn history to understand how they haven't done well in mm. sharing that good news. So a lot of the work now is has been with... Uh, churches and engaging with them and just kind of, um, yeah, trying to help that uh, learned knowledge make its way down into the, into the heart. So, John, your, your title is Indigenous Ambassador, which is very stately, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that fits you well. You're, you're, a, great, uh, you're a great statesman <laughs> in, the best, uh, and, uh, in the best sense of that. You're a great uh, relational uh, gift to many people. Um, can you tell us a little bit of your story? Like, uh, tell us about how John Johnston, this is more than work, this is actually who you are. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, I'll just throw out there, for example, last night there was a, a bit of a mix-up in our um, 
prayer gatherings, and we were doing a reconciliation uh, prayer gathering between uh, those of us that work in, in Multiply on the First Nation part. And I was out working on my truck, and I got a phone call, and they were saying, like, uh, aren't you and Jen supposed to be leading prayer? And I'm just, no, we did last Tuesday. And then they're like, well, it's uh, it's the reconciliation one tonight. And, and as far as everyone knows, you're the one leading it. And I'm just like, oh, well, <laughs> let me get into my computer so that we can do this. And and mm -hmm. as I was walking in, one of the people that I work with, they're just like, don't worry about it. You got this because it's just you. It's what's in you. So mm -hmm. just, just speak from your heart. And, mm -hmm. and so on the question there, um, I kind of feel and believe that God has really gathered me up right from the beginning, like right from birth, because I was uh, when when I was birthed, I was birthed into the sixty scoop. Uh, birthed at the hospital, my mom wanted to keep me, but the nuns came and asked for her to sign the papers to give me up, and they asked her three times, and all three times when they came back, she said no, and they uh, they took me anyways. That's the story that my older half sister tells me. And they took me anyways, and they fostered me out into a white family. And then after two years, they adopted me out into a into a white family in a white community. So mm. I grew up in that white family and white community. Uh, my father left when I was 12. And uh, my uh, mother was a very loving woman. It was never that I don't share the same kind of story that many people do where foster or uh, the adoption was horrible. I was kind of blessed. My mother was uh, a very, very successful businesswoman. And uh, I, I knew, and there was two other children, my older brother and my younger sister, that were adopted from different families. We all knew that mom loved us greatly. Mm. And uh, so most of my 60 Scoop story is, is that um, she wasn't able to uh, anything with the language, anything with the culture, anything with the spirituality, anything with the... the connectedness to the land was uh, everything that I had kind of lost and and really that's kind of who I am as a homo person are, are all those things so in losing those that's a that's a pretty big loss mm -hmm. so kind of start with that and and then uh, move through a uh, troubled teenage years and then uh, I met my uh, Right at the end of my teenage years, I was 20, and my girlfriend then, uh, now my wife, was 15. And uh, she knew God, but uh, was venturing off the path because uh, she didn't fit the clique at the church. So her and her friend were venturing off the path. And then when she met me, I took her way off the path. And we had a bunch of years of uh, little shenanigans and stuff like that. But uh, we had uh, two... Uh, one baby and one young child at that point, and she kept hearing God calling her back uh, to be with them. And so we're, there was a church that we kept driving by, our kind of local church, and she kept, she started to call it our church, and I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then finally one day there was a kid swap there, and we thought, well, we got two kids, maybe we should go see if we can swap them for better ones. <laughs> <laughs> what is a kid swap? <laughs> it's 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 a kid swap. It's where you go and uh, you can swap um, clothing or toys or 
or it's like a, a, a garage sale, but at the church. So when Not she actually, walked, there are parents who would want to consider the other option. So uh, we didn't want to. Our kids are awesome. Yeah. But when she walked through the door, she was like, "I just heard the Holy Spirit, and the angels were just singing, and it was just so beautiful and magical." And and I'm like, "No, no, I didn't get any of that." So, but she continued to call it her church and our church, and and then. You know, this is quite a while ago, so when she had the newspaper, she'd be like, oh, look, our church has an ad. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? And then it, it just kept more and more. And then finally, um, I used to be into street racing. I built race cars for 20 years. And so I, I, I'd race at, uh, on the weekends at night. Uh, we would drag race out, in, uh, sometimes out by the farm, sometimes in industrial areas. And I came home, and sometimes I'd get home at 2 or 3 in the morning, and and this one time I, I got home and I was sleeping and Jen woke me up and she says, hey, I'm taking the kids. I'm going to our church and you can come or stay home. And uh, I was full of uh, shenanigans and attitude and, and attitude and, and attitude. And I was kind of like at six foot three almost and 270 pounds. I was just like, I ain't afraid of anybody. I ain't even afraid of God. I don't care. I'll go to church. So I end up going there with a snarky attitude, but it's awesome what God can use. It, it, hmm. I got through the door, and you, when you first come through the door and you don't know church and you run into all the happy, shiny, smiley people, it's really kind of weird. Happy, shiny, smiley people. <laughs> so we uh, we uh, we continue to hang out with the happy, shiny, smiley people. And and uh, one day, uh, you know, about the third time we're there or something, this one lady comes up to us and she says, Oh, I've seen you here a few times now, you know. We do have a nursery down the hallway if you want. And she was kind of reaching for our daughter because she was our daughter was the youngest. Oh, she no. was the baby. She goes, we can bring her down to the nursery and then you guys can enjoy the service. And I was just, lady, back away. You are not getting my child because mm. I thought it was like the Goonies kind of thing. Like just, right. I didn't know. But wow. uh, So we continued to go and then we ended up in uh, Alpha because it was a free meal and a movie. And my wife says, hey, there's a free meal and a movie here. You want to do that? And I was like, mm, sounds good. <laughs> so we went through the alpha program and then as we went through the alpha program i'm not the the fastest of the learners so i didn't really pay a lot of attention to it and we got through to the final part there and i didn't you know grasp what, what really what was happening and going on and there was this beautiful couple that came up to me and jen and said hey john and jen you guys should sit at our table and you can be alpha table helper leaders and i'm like oh what I go, is that even you. a real thing? That sounds kind of corny. And they're like, oh, no, it's a real thing. You you just sit at our table and help help uh, discussion move along. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but I guess it's a free meal and a movie. So we went through the second time, and going through the second time, I started to grasp it a little bit better, and I was kind of catching what Nicky Gumble was laying down, and yeah, I was picking it up and understanding it a bit more. And then I finally got to this point where I was just like, Man, if if what he is saying is is uh, having truths to it, then then like it's probably important that I make a decision because until that time I thought I was going to church because it's good for my wife, it's good for my kids. Right. And then I started to think like I I think I got to make a decision. So hmm. I was driving by the church after work one day, and as I was going by, I uh, um, I was thinking I got to make that decision. But there was some things that led up to it that I see now that I didn't know then. And uh, when I was younger and I was driving around, I was kind of a fool. I would drive around with 
you know, drinking beer, drinking and driving, and I'd be uh, smoking pot, and I would just do a donut whenever you wanted to, like spin the wheels and just drive stupid. And <laughs> you I were that guy. People, yeah, exactly. And I know there was people that would waggle their finger at me. They were the finger wagglers. And they would waggle their finger and they would like speak Almost words. like a Phil Waggler. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Close, but not the same. Phil's <laughs> awesome. But they were the finger wagglers and they would waggle their finger and they would kind of, the words that they would speak weren't good. So they were like, you know, words have power. So they're, they're, they're like kind of cursing. But I also know now because of uh, being on the journey for long enough that, that there was people that would pray for me. And hmm. they would see me in my foolishness and my stupidity that I was doing. And they would pray. And they would pray things like, oh, dear Lord, I just, you need to get a hold of that boy and just hold him tight for a while. Hold him tight and let him know how much you love him. Hmm. And these prayers went up like a sweet-smelling incense. And they went up to heaven and God would capture them in this great big bowl. And there was all kinds of uh, uh, times like that where people would waggle their finger, but also there was people that were hmm. praying. And wow. uh, when I drove past the church that day, and I was thinking I need to make a decision, and I started praying the prayer, oh Lord, can you forgive me for my stupidity and foolishness, and Jesus, will you come into my heart? At that exact same time that I'm doing that, I can see now that God is up in heaven, and he's got that big bowl of prayer that people prayed for me, and he started to pour it out onto me, and he says, John, today is your day. And he poured that bowl of prayer out on me. It just washed over me. And uh, hmm. Hey, John, you're, you're uh, and now you're in a position of uh, walking with First Nations communities as, a, as an ambassador of the kingdom and, and the reconciliation of God in this world. I, I wonder... Like in, in, in every segment of Canadian culture right now, because of what happened and what was dis, you know, discovered, which is a really weird word because these graves had been there for a long time in Kamloops and then in other places now, that uh, you know, so many people are being awakened to the reality of the pain of our First Nations neighbors and friends. And mm -hmm. Could you just give us a picture? Like you used a, a little while ago, you used the the phrase of we need to relearn our history or maybe learn it for the first time. Can you describe um, what is the? How would you describe for us the pain of First Nations people in Canada today? Um, for starters, I would say long lived. Uh, this whole part of what is being uh, not discovered, but recovered or uh, uncovered, mm -hmm. um, because our elders have always spoken and shared and told us, and the survivors have uh, shared and spoken and told us. Mm. And uh, being a oral culture, we have listened and believed to what they're saying. So uh, in the communities, we've always known. But when you, when you talk about the pain, uh, there's not just pain because of residential school. There's pain because of when the newcomers came, there was seen resources and the resources were wanted. They were wanted for themselves. Christopher Columbus wanted them for him, but he also wanted to bring them back for the motherland. So that created a problem because the Indians were here. Called them Indians because he thought he was in India and he was looking for spices. But the Indians were here, so then they, they, there was a need, and there's even a book, The Inconvenient Indian. Mm -hmm. 
So this whole inconvenience is what has been our kind of like our plight since mm -hmm. our, our turmoil, our our you know our trauma since the the newcomers have arrived because of what they wanted, and uh, and it's always been about the land, and even today it's about the land. And it's even known because as soon as you start to share or speak with the churches, the first thing they kind of want to get to is, what, do we got to give the land back? And I think so, people so, lead with that because it is such a big thing, it just stops conversation. And if you can stop conversation, then you don't have to feel uncomfortable anymore. Yeah. Could you talk about that a little bit, John? Like, what does the land mean to to our First Nations uh, well, it's so much different. Like even in your biblical reference, uh, so often we hear uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We came from, you know, uh, dust. We will return to dust. And and so um, now i got to tell you a story. But little Billy was sitting in the second row, and the, 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 the priest was up there giving a sermon on Genesis, and he says that uh, God created all things. And he gets to the part where... God reached down and he scraped up some of the dust of the land and he blew ruach, blew the spirit of God, uh, the breath of life into man, and man was created. And so uh, from that trajectory, as you begin to look out uh, from where man was created from the dust of the earth, you can kind of, well, you can kind of start to imagine what does that relationship look like? I sat in on a seminar on a uh, symposium one time, and there there was a uh, a guy from Nova Scotia that says that's not really the translation from Hebrew and how it goes. He says if you were to more follow the translation literally from Hebrew, it would say more something like this, and I'm I think he probably stretched it a little bit, but it would say more like. When God was finished creating all things and looked down and saw that it was good, and when it came to the point where he was creating man, he reached down to the earth and scooped up what was the very top layer of the earth. It was the top soil, the most fertile, the best uh, part of the land to be able to produce fruit. Hmm. And it was from that top soil, the best that the earth had to offer, that he blew life into and created man. So now as man ventures out from that, being from the very best that the earth has to offer, when you turn around and look back, what what, what might the relationship begin to look like? Hmm. So you're not just dust. When, when little Billy was sitting in the second row and the pastor says, so as you can see, we are all but dust. And little Billy was looking at him, and he was thinking, and all of a sudden, as he's thinking about it, he gets the comma in the wrong spot. And little Billy jumps up and says, I don't want to be butt dust. I don't want to be butt dust. And he goes running <laughs> down the aisle saying, I don't want to be butt dust. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't want to be butt dust either. Uh -huh. I want to be from the very best yes. that the land had to offer. Yeah. So if I am from the very best that the land had to offer, it begins a relationship. And it's in that relationship where the indigenous people, and not just here in, on, on Turtle Island, but the indigenous people from all around the world begin to understand how they are connected to all things, how they are 
part of creation, not just above creation, but they are part of the created so that we are in relation with all things. And uh, mm -hmm. things are to be stewarded well, not just to be raped and pillaged. And, and, and uh, you, you kind of get into your two different worldviews where one worldview is profitability. What is the absolute most profit I can get out of this and build my bank account to the biggest I can get it? Or look at it as how, how can I do this in a sustainable way where I continue to be in good relationships. So when, when you start to talk about the land, another little thing, I think where we're headed here anyways, another little thing is like when I go down to Fort Langley here and, and, I, and I'm in the fort, like the actual fort of Fort Langley, the historic thing there, it's got a big wall all the way around it. And mm. the wall is to protect, to protect what is mine. This is mine. This land in here, this is mine. And it's protected and guarded. But mm -hmm. when you walk out of there and you look to your right and you look across the slough or the river and over into the community of the First Nation people, they got a fence around the soccer field and around the playground and around the, the uh, ball diamond. But when you start to look at the houses, there's not really a fence because there's more of an understanding that I am here to steward this land well not mm. to take ownership over this piece. Right. So, so you, can I... You, you get different worldviews. Can I ask another question there then? Like, um, I think actually this day that we're recording this is the anniversary date of British Columbia becoming a province in Canada. I think it might be today, actually. Um, however many years ago, 150 years ago or whatever it is. And um, uh, as you talk about the land, you know, obviously in, in many segments of, of our society now, we hear land acknowledgements in our church family. From time to time, we've been recognizing that we uh, live on the, and live our lives and do work and play on the unceded territory of the Silix peoples here in the Okanagan Valley. What's the value of a land acknowledgement? What's the, what, from your perspective, and even as, as a Christian, why does that matter? Well, pushing the Christian part to the side for a sec, I think it's just uh, a part of understanding relationship. Uh, I think it's a beginning step in uh, relationship and just uh, acknowledging who was here before we had got here and stewarded this land well for thousands and thousands of years. And... Um, it seems like it's just a very small step to try and head towards right relationship. And um, yeah, it's helpful, John. The uh, the the next question that uh, wasn't asked that I would say is is the most important is why why is right relationship so critical? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that gets into the part where, as a, as a Christian, as a believer in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why is it important that we journey well with the host people of this land? Why do we need our relationship to be in rightnessnessness? And for me, I, I kind of stopped using the word reconciliation. I like to use conciliation. Uh, reconciliation, by definition, when I looked it up, said going back to right relationship. 
And uh, I think many of the First Nation people will tell you that there never was a right relationship to go back to. Uh, Many of them feel that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So conciliation, uh, in my imagination, kind of means more so let's gather together now, understand what our true past was, and see if we can move forward in a good way. Mm -hmm. And then what I've started to use more and more lately uh, in in my sharing and talking is just uh, rightnessness of relationship. And I really feel that uh, the Creator has been sharing with me in a very strong way that if there is no righteousnessness in our relationships, then He cannot pour out His righteousnessness upon us. And so as a Christian, it kind of becomes critical that we journey well with the host people of the land because the host people of the land have been given an authority to be here on the land when they were tasked to steward the land, air, water, uh, fish, animals, birds, creepy crawlies, to steward all that well. When the Creator placed them here to steward that well, it gives them an authority to be here by the Creator. Mm. And uh, in that authority to be here, they have the ability to welcome people onto the land. Or So that's a little bit, in my mind, where you get to this acknowledging part. Why is a land acknowledgement important? Uh, that's some of it because the host people do have the the creator the God given authority to be here on this land and the newcomers when they when they came they did not have the authority to be here they were they were not given authority by God but what they did do is they brought disease and the disease killed many 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 of the uh, of the host people mm-hmm. and so you start to get your numbers where you have less host people and you have more newcomers because the newcomers keep coming and I sat in on a teaching one time of Terry LeBlanc, and he, he was sharing about the law and stuff like that. And one of his statements is that the, that the laws, the regulations, bylaws, and all the rules really are made by the white man, for the white man, through the white man, to the white man, from the white man, again back to the white man. So all the rules and laws are made uh, by the white man, for the white man. So they do not have the authority to be here, but what that does give them is a power to be here. So you have these two mm. things that never really meet, and uh, that's not relationship. And again, I really believe that the Creator is saying, if relationship is not in righteousnessness, then I cannot pour out my righteousnessness. Mm-hmm. So, John, what is what is God doing right now in the First Nations community to bring some conciliation well I, I think most of the, the I, I think that's a, a little bit of the deal there is that the the majority of the work and I believe it to be even uh, the Creator himself says and his even his word says that a big part of the work is to be done by his people that follow him mm-hmm. there's that passage that says, if you have a, a gift and you're bringing it to the altar and they realize that uh, a brother or a cousin or a friend or a host people of a land have something against you, <laughs> I kind of put my own part in there. But <laughs> if they have something against you, then you are to leave your gift at the altar and go make right, go reconcile with them, and then come back and give your gift at the altar. So for me, what is uh, hugely critical and important in that verse is who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the one that frequents the altar. Mm-hmm. So he's really, he's speaking to the church. Mm-hmm. 
church, you need to reconcile. So uh, the question, when you ask that question, what's going on in the communities, I would ask the question, what is going on in the churches? Because I feel that it's really, it's God speaking to, to his people. Who, who's going to hear him? I mean, surely, clearly, uh, God can speak to anybody. But who should hear him the best? Those that are filled with the Spirit, because he speaks through the Spirit. Well, he speaks through his word. He speaks through all kinds of things. But those that are filled, so those that are his will hear him. And to them, I, I think he is saying, leave your gift and go make right with those that have something against you. So, Hey, hey John, that's... For that's me, what... I really turn that question around and say, what, what is the church doing? That's a really humbling question, John, and I thank you for asking it because it is um, a huge part of the journey that that we all need to be on as followers of Jesus. Um, I have a <clears throat> just as we wrap up here. I wonder if um, you could do us the honor because I know that you've been uh, learning your your native tongue, your language. And I wonder, is there is there a blessing that you could speak to us uh, and over over us as a people who are listening in on this um, in the language of of uh, your your own people? Yeah, the language from the land here that comes from the land. Uh, that's part of the the thing is that the language comes from the land, the people come from the land, the culture comes from the land, everything comes from the land. Um, and, and as far as a blessing, what more so I think it would be that I would uh, try to offer is a, a welcoming. Mm. And in this welcoming, it's not something that it is just some words spoken into existence. It's like, I mean, all words have power, but a welcoming from a host person of the land actually carries a, a fair bit of, of a power to it, be it a spiritual power or whatever it is, but it does uh, carry a power to it. And, and I've gotten to the point now where I've, I've started to think that when I speak this into existence, uh, I want to welcome people to this land that want to journey well with the First Nation people. Uh, it's like if someone is not going to behave well, it's hard to pour out blessing upon them. Right. And I know that the, the, the Bible says, love your enemies. Uh, I have a hard time being exactly there yet. So I, I do, I, I would love to share some words in the language of the land here uh, in the in the lower part of uh, the Fraser Valley. The lower river dialect is what I've been learning. But I also uh, want to share uh, or stipulate or whatever it is that um, I want to share these words with those that want to be here and journey well with the First Nation people mm -hmm. and and are willing to bring the gospel in a good way and who are willing to sit down at the table and, and, and engage in some of the hard discussions, sit at the table of uncomfortableness, uh, and maybe even share a meal together at some point and be able to get up from that table and walk away and see each other as equals uh, here on this land. And so to, to those that want to um, function in that way with a good, good mind and a good heart, mm -hmm. to those people I say, Asiem Yitanasieya, Itsapu Aliyal, Anta Chan, Tlitsin Ak Lik Amal, Mitsa Kutwilam Tana Tamuk, 
Chacha Tomoch, Ayamach Tomoch. Kilik Tunner Squalowan, Quatsitz, Quatsnala, Tunnawail, Heitzapka. And in those words, I said, uh, Hello, my name is John, or hello, my friends, honored ones. My name is John. I am from Lakamel. Um, how are you doing today? I want to welcome you to this land, this uh, sacred land created by the Creator, this beautiful land. Uh, happy to be here to share with you today, and uh, thank you all. Hmm. Thanks for sharing with us, John. Um, just as just before we pray, I wonder if I can ask you if somebody wants to learn more about how they can partner with the First Nations around them. Um, what would be what would be the next step? Is there is there people want to learn? I was just just before we got on this call, I was watching an interview with uh, Bob Joseph, who wrote the book Twenty One Things You Didn't Know About the Indian Act, and I was just learning this for the first time and kind of jaw-dropped. That Chief Bobby Joseph? Yeah, that's yeah. him. So I was like just shocked by it. Like how do we, what's, what's a good resource or what is the next step um, to, to that conciliation for somebody like, like me who has no idea about the context? Until, I think until one now. of the important things is... Um, geographical awareness <laughs> so sort of to kind of say that there are many communities out there and uh, a lot of the times we'll have one that is near us that we don't know about we don't know what their language is we don't know what their uh, their their name of their community is and there's just so much that we don't know about them so a little bit of research on who who is beside us who mm -hmm. are we neighbors to and then um once that kind of gets figured out, there's uh, yeah, there's just all kinds of teachings and learnings that need to happen. Uh, my wife, uh, in her great wisdom, has been sharing lately that right now might not be the time to be in the communities trying to ask them to help guide right. you and learn you on this journey. Right. Uh, there's a lot of pain uh, that has been brought up in the last little bit for the... Uh, uncovering of the of the children and the babies so um places like uh podcasts places uh like whatever is um yeah i want to say some of it is going to be found on the internet some of it is in books there's lots of uh great incredible wonderful uh teachers i often call them the the greats uh they they've been doing the christian First Nation journey for a long time. One would be Richard Twist and some of the books that he has written. Uh, Richard Twist, um, Cheryl Bear, Terry LeBlanc, uh, Randy Woodley, Ray Aldred. All those names have incredible uh, teachings of uh, journeying mm -hmm. uh, as a First Nation person and not just as a First Nation person but fully as a First Nation person into this Christian, uh, this Christian journey or this Jesus journey or however it is. So there's a, there's a lot of good uh, resources out there on YouTube under those guys. There's also stuff out there that is complete, completely wacko. What on the internet? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got to kind of, you got to kind of 
figure it out a little bit. Well, John, can we, uh, we want to pray for you. Can we do that? Mm-hmm. I'd love it. Lord, thank you for the call that you have on John and his wife, Jen. Thank you for bringing them together. Thank you that uh, we gather around the table as brothers in Christ. And uh, before you, our Heavenly Father, uh, we, are, we are one, and we share a call to be about this reconciliation pathway, to leave the altar and go and be reconciled so that we can be living our faith, not just talking about it or singing it. So, Lord, we pray your blessing on John. Bless the ministry you've called him to. Give him favor in the communities that he is building bridges with and uh, loving. And I pray that you would meet all his needs and encourage his heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us reach even more people by leaving a review, like, or share on your favorite platform. If you have any questions or comments, email us at podcast at kgfchurch.com. Thank you.